Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Why, hello! Welcome to Saturday Draft Live. It's the, it's the Draft of Week. It's me, it's David Campbell. I can't wait for this one. We are on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet podcast feed. I don't know if you knew that, but please go and check out the other content. We've got feature shows that come out on a Tuesday. Absolutely fantastic pieces of art right there. We have Central, which sometimes comes out on a Thursday when Ross can get someone else to do it with him. Uh, and we have everything else on our, our fantastic YouTube channel. We also have East Meets West in this feed as well. Um, hey, baby, you really got my tail in a spin because this man has been dominating the league. He's been top of the table. But will the transfer window change any of that? Jack Graham, how are you doing? Very well. Top of the table, top of the humble list. You can't ask for much more. You know what I mean? It, it, it's been a wonderful week. Uh, conversations we had, there's so much has went on. Uh, it's certainly going to be an interesting time from now till SummerSlam, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, hey, baby, I don't even know where to begin with this man because he's got his work cut out for him with the Listeners League. Is it true, Dave, that we're saving a, a wee conversation on that till next week? Yeah, we'll go into more detail about the Listeners League in uh, in next week because obviously this week's been transfer week and the Listeners League has been very active with uh, trading superstars in and out for their teams. Uh, but not only that, the, the scoring from Hell in a Cell has actually shook up the top five a little bit. Ooh, interesting. For other people, not me. I still hate those turds down there. Uh, but baby, <laughs> I've got one thing I want you to know. Life is a roller coaster and I just want to ride it with one man. And that man is Gary Kernan. <laughs> Gary, how are you? Oh, I can't think of anything better, David, than to go riding with you. <laughs> oh, you flatter me. Do you, two, do you two want to rip or something? Uh, I've had three over the past couple of days. I've been in three different hotels, Dave. Uh, <laughs> Gary was unfortunately in none of them. Uh, but anyway, we're going to talk about the week that was and the transfer window. Gary is here to help us break it down and we'll be having a look at his team slightly later on. But Jack, um, I gather that you have a statement to read out for us here. I do. I, I have been sent some intel, some information from the man, the myth, the legend, the day one of Saturday Draft Live, Scott McLeod. He's reached out to me and has asked me to read out this little announcement for the for the show today. It reads, Dear hosts of the greatest podcast ever created, and whatever cretin they've got as a guest this week. <laughs> it's fair to say that this has been my worst season to date. A lot of that was my own doing, as I knew I was taken away, and I didn't care enough about the long-term success of my team, instead looking at the short term. I clearly didn't have the same passion for the draft that I did before. Having said that, during the last week, I've started to feel that passion begin to return, in part spurred on by the frankly insulting trade offers I was made, like David Cavill offering me red velvet, red fucking velvet of all people in exchange for Bailey. <laughs> I, I didn't do that. <laughs> I vowed I wouldn't return to Saturday Draft Live until I was able to reclaim my position as co-host once again, and that day will now come sooner than you think. So, David Campbell, I wouldn't get too comfortable in that hosting chair as I, I'm disgusted that you'd host a show hungover. Has some decorum, man. Regards, your friend and acquaintance, Scott McLeod. 
P.S. Hot me. Gary told me on Tuesday that it sneaks into your flat at night and shits in your hat. <laughs> oh, I was wondering what that smell was. Well, I think Gary's shit smell like roses. Um, but anyway, the return of Scott McLeod is imminent imminent to Saturday Draft Live. So look for that one. The man is back in town, so don't go messing around. But we are going to look at what has happened in the week that was in the transfer window. And Scott kicked us off with a big trade. Uh, Jack, we knew it was going to happen. We knew he was going to get rid of Walter. A, a brazen number one round draft pick uh, when it happened. But he has traded Walter out for the TNT champion that is Miro. What do you think of this one? I think this this is a this is the probably one of the best transfers that was made throughout the whole thing. This is what I was I was a sit, sitting my 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 tree at the top of the tower of, of everyone. I was hoping that maybe he'd fall through the cracks in some way or another, and I'd get him. That was the only person I was kind of I could sit hopeful of like day one. And of course, they went straight away, so that wasn't to be. But I believe next week he's he's Scott's captain now as well, and he's got a title uh, match next week, so that'll kick off some mega points for him. Hopefully, he'll be starting that climb to get away from last position. Absolutely, a hundred percent. It's it's a fantastic one, and one that we knew he had to do. Um, Miro, thirty-two points. Uh, he would have scored pre-window if he was on anyone's team. So it's a big get uh, for Scott here, and maybe I think I believe he's put the captaincy on him as well. So that would add up to sixty-four points overall, which would be some showing um, up into this point. That would put him. Uh, third if he was drafted uh, instead of Walter initially in the top scorers of the season so it's interesting we're talking about what could have been but now we need to talk about what's going to happen now with regards to Miro but Dave on that Monday as well it was myself that made the second trade and I got rid of Red Velvet, who I tried to pawn off to Scott. Um, and instead of getting Bailey, my, my love, my passion that is Bailey, I picked up Sonia Deville. What did you think about uh, of this one for myself? Well, it's certainly a, a strong substitute when uh, choosing your female picks because I think, honestly, your female selection was pretty poor uh, in the initial uh, draft. But bringing in Sonia Deville, I mean, she's basically in the same boat as your beloved scrap daddy, Adam Pierce, And, you know, she's making consistent appearances alongside him on SmackDown in particular. She's not getting used as much in matches, but I think it's definitely going to be a similar case of, you know, consistent backstage appearances is what's going to get points uh, in her case. So definitely, um, definitely an interesting choice. You know, you could have chosen, you know, maybe an active competitor on AEW or maybe one of the other Raw women, but... You know what? I think you, you're just you're just just uh, too much in love with uh, that with Scrap Daddy and Daddy Deville. So it's uh, well, that, each that to their own. Too, but she, she was also one of the highest scoring female talents who was actually available. You know, so it was it was the, the yeah, easy 26, pick. Twenty six like, points, yeah, just from appearances alone. Yeah, exactly. And at the, at the same time, uh, you, there's going to be a pattern you can see from what I've picked up and what I've traded that. I'm going for consistency and I'm going for sort of guarantees uh, as we move forward in the season. But Gary, it was Mr. David Hockney who had to get rid of the, the fired Braun Strowman uh, on Monday. And he picked up Jimmy Uso. Was this someone you perhaps had your eye on? I did indeed. I did indeed. It was a, a good get for Mr. Hockney. Uh, he will make regular and multiple appearances on SmackDown in ring time remains to be seen where that's go the direction of travel there but I think this is a really uh, really good move for Dave 
I think so. And there's the potential there, I think, Dave, for Jimmy to win the SmackDown Tag Team Championships alongside Brother Jay. Do you think that is something you had in mind? That's what I'm banking on. I'm hoping, you know, they'll be the ones to defeat the Mysterios and regain their places, SmackDown's number one tag team. But an interesting fact to come out of this week, and I only picked up on this as soon as I made this trade, is that I believe I'm actually the first person in draft history to draft both Usos as singles competitors and as a tag team all across, I think it's eight seasons now. Oh. Well, I'm sure your chocolate medal is on the post. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm banking on, I'm banking on consistent appearances and hopefully a SmackDown tag team title win down the line. <laughs> um, but someone who's very controversial this week, as we'll get to a bit later on, I think Miss Sarah Grieve. But Jack, something she did initially on Monday, which seemed like a really smart play at the time, was she got rid of Cody Graves, commentated on Raw. When she drafted him, she, she thought it was going to be across two shows. Obviously, commentary got shaken up. She drafted in Eva Marie at the time on Monday. Did this seem like a good change? Yeah, it felt like... I feel like she was going to be one of the, the women picked up during this because it's like all the promo patches I've gone on before and then like even in the match on Raw this week, she appeared like three times backstage and even though she lost the match, like still appeared in it. So it was like from Monday when she was drafted, just like she's going to be like a focal point in this women's division going forward, which is what Raw needs. So it was like a no-brainer to draft, draft any Marie to a team. Yeah. 100%. I'll stick with you because Ryan Dugleish, obviously your personal friend, he had to get rid of Bray Wyatt. The Fiend has shown up basically, I think he was on one show before WrestleMania, um, but he got in someone who has had a 47.3 window score in Dominic Mysterio. Now, the question I'm going to ask is, that number speaks for itself, but do you think that the Dominic's best days in this draft season are perhaps behind him. Do you think it's going to be a bit of a slower rest of the season for Dominic on Ryan Dugleish's team? Um, Matches-wise, maybe. But like, mm-hmm. it, I, I feel that obviously, as as, we, as you said before, that it's going to go to a SummerSlam match with potentially the Usos against the Mysterios for tag titles, of which they'll probably lose. <laughs> but the thing you've got to consider for Ryan is that Bray Wyatt had zero points before that. And Dominic Mysterio is part of the main programming of SmackDown right now. So whether he's not like wrestling, he'll be like appearing every so often throughout the show and that'll get Ryan enough points to gain more momentum in his quest to climb further up the table. So even if his best days is behind him, it's like I think it's it's a good get regardless. Guys no, on can I can I jump in there on the fiend? I think this is one of the interesting things. I think most of us that have done the draft before know not to touch the fiend with a barge pole now. Yeah. And yeah, um, yeah. I think that was a a rookie mistake by uh, Mr. Deglish to take take the fiend. He's just too inconsistent and his in ring action is so infrequent and over the last what year and a half. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. I had my fingers burnt with the fiend in the past. Yeah, he's only that ever really been saved for. He, he's only ever really been saved for big matches. Like he always does pay per views, but he never rarely competes on you know regular weekly TV, and that's what lets him down. And if he's lucky, you know, you'll probably get a couple of segments on weekly TV if he's assigned to one brand. So yeah, definitely one of the most inconsistent draft performers throughout the draft history. 
Yeah, and 100%. Gary, you were in a similar position to Ryan Dugleish because you had someone in your team who wasn't showing up, and that was Daniel Bryan. Uh, and it was a no-brainer to get rid of him. But what was behind the decision to bring in Samoa Joe as the replacement there? Well, somebody drafted Jimmy Uso. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I had to... Uh, I mean, Joe was somebody I had an, an, an eye on. There were a couple of others that I had an eye on. still do, actually. Um but I thought um, I thought Joe, you know, he was strongly featured in his return to NXT. If I'd be able to switch out somebody that I was getting nothing for to get somebody that will provide constant and consistent points through from now to SummerSlam, um, that felt like a no-brainer. And you know, I suspect you know some, we will see some more Joe in the ring at a takeover in the not-too-distant future as well. Not on NXT yeah. TV, but it looked like he, you know, unlike Rigo, who appears, I think, more infrequently, there was just a hint that we're going to see Joe, and I think his first night was it three or four times we've seen him mm-hmm. then. So that was my thinking yeah. behind that move. Mm-hmm. 100%. I think it's a good one, and it ties into something we're going to talk about a bit later on. Because uh, there's a man who popped up related to Samoa Joe a number of times in this window. But Dave, pretty deadly, someone we really did question <laughs> that first draft night with Ryan. He oh. forgot the MST were still on the table. And lo and behold, the way things shaped out, he did end up taking MSK in this transfer mm. window on day one. Do you think it's the smart play? Honestly, I mean, I thought Indu's share was a bad decision. I mean, pretty deadly, pretty much matches it, if not even worse. Like, especially when you have a team like MSK, who've been the hottest tag team on NXT for a good while now. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm just glad to see Ryan has actually managed to rectify his mistake, you know, and pick what he was originally meant to pick. But he could have saved himself a whole lot of hassle if he just picked them off the bat. But hey-ho, it's it's draft, you know, people make mistakes. and But the important thing is you you sort of roll with it and if you get the chance to rectify it and he's done that and you know msk are a very good selection too because in a couple of weeks msk are actually defending against champ and thatcher at the great american bash so there's a an immediate opportunity to grab some big points for for ryan there and he's and he's been performing very well this season thus far and he just needs a a little bit more of a booster just to sort of break him into that sort of top Top two, I'd say, you know, at least give Jack a run for his money. But, you know, at this point, Jack is so far beyond uh, catching at this stage. You I mean, you might as well put in the best performance you can. And with Ryan taking MSK, he's in a position to do that. Well, someone who else who might be in a position to push on is Stephen Wilson. He was the last one to make uh, a substitution on Monday, Jack. He got rid of Chris Jericho, the champion, and he brought in William Regal. Now, when he first did this, I thought... It's a great pick, as will become clear later on. But swapping out Jericho for Regal, do you think there was an element of risk there, considering that Jericho's not done as a wrestler by any manner of means? It could still maybe get a couple of more wins heading into the summer. What do you think about that one? Yeah, I felt that... Uh, I think especially with how Regal has been presented pre-transfer window, especially with all the stuff that's maybe happened to the way... Regal was on your TV four or five times a show, whereas like Jericho was only going to be there once. So like, and with Jericho not not winning the majority of his matches, he's very win one lose one. So he's, the points are always being cancelling out for him, and the matches still then are a bit sparse. 
So I, I understand his, his reasoning for taking Regal to time and dropping Jericho, but as, as we'll get on to later on. Yeah, yeah. quite stay that way. Um, but one to day two on Tuesday, Jack, uh, Ember and Shotzi. Scott felt the need to get rid of them, even though it looks like, I don't know if Shotzi's recovered, like they could make an all run for those women's tag team titles. But he's opted to go with the WWE women's tag team champions, Natalia and Tamina. Some A team I think all of us had half an eye on if we're wanting to change our tag team. Um, up until this point of the season, uh, they would have, in fact, it's not been tracked by Steven, so Steven... Shame on you, but they would have been scoring quite highly up into this point of the season. So do you think a smart move from Scott or do you think it's going to be one that doesn't make too much of a difference for him? Um, again, I think this is also an interesting one because I believe on Wednesday there's a triple threat match and Ember and Shotzi are in it for the is, yep. women's tag team titles are next year and I'm like in tendership. But I get the thinking behind taking the main roster women's tag team championship considering how, how big... Natalia and Tamina have been present in WWE programming like after WrestleMania. They are both individually have been scored really well. I thought that they would have been taken individually by people at some point, but obviously the NX the, the tag team pick from Scott has eh, nullified that. So I think a strategic play to me to wipe them off the board as single picks too, as as Scott vies to get away from last position. So it's a, a pick that I actually think is quite smart. Yeah, I agree, and we'll stay in the the theme of women's picks because they, uh, Dave, I went on. I, I dropped Becky Lynch. I took a risk on draft night. She didn't come back, and I wanted to really make sure that I could push up the table as much as I could. And I ended up taking Dewdrop, uh, otherwise known as Piper Nevin, otherwise known as Viper. Um, now, whatever you think of the character, Dave, she is someone who could end up going in a wee winning run as someone new to the Raw roster. What did you think about that one? Yeah, definitely uh, another smart choice. Like Becky Lynch was not doing you any favours at all. And I think what I've seen about recent rumours is, is they're planning a lot of big surprises for SummerSlam. I'm wondering if Becky Lynch might be one of them then because they've hyped up SummerSlam to be sort of their... Their new WrestleMania, given, you know, this year is still impacted by COVID and all that. So, me, I don't think you would have got any benefit from Becky Lynch as early as SummerSlam. So, switching yep, to go. Piper Niven. And before you ask, I'm not going to call her Dewdrop or whatever it's called. Well, uh, you, you call her where they want the youngest Dewdrop now. Do oh, oh so what? You've been to bad now. Say, I'm calling we her Dewdrop and you will that. like it. Yeah, we need to respect that, but we'll hold the thoughts on Becky Lynch for a wee second because anyway, uh, Gary yes. David. Did, what, sorry, what I'm saying is, Piper Nevin is definitely a, a good choice, given that she you knows she's got this uh, exposure with Ava Marie, and yeah, they're going to be, they're going to. I think they're, this is a good chance to capitalise on someone who's going to get heavily featured. No, I hear what you're saying, I hear what you're saying, and Gary, Mr. Hockney also made a change on the Tuesday, he dropped NGF, someone we said for a few weeks at the start of the season was a consistent point getter um, in seasons past, not doing it for him, he picks up Orange Cassidy, a man who's been performing not only in Dynamite, but also Dark Elevation, what did you think about David Hockney picking up Orange Cassidy, a man who until this point of the season has scored 30 and a half points? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good get, and he's one of the one of the talents that's benefited from this uh, secondary show for AEW, and uh, probably done better than we expected. Otherwise, he would have been picked up in the first mm. round of the draft. But yeah, MGF on paper looked like a really good get for Dave. 
in the original draft and it's just goes to show that it's not always straightforward. I remember picking Keith Lee in the last draft. Yeah. That looked mm-hmm. like a home that. run and then he disappears off the face of the earth. And this is that with the draft. Sometimes it's completely unpredictable. And Dave, you even had a man, high-profile feud, but it just never really clicked with MGF this season. Yeah, he only ever really sort of performed in two big matches since the start of the season. And I know MGF's moniker is meant to be he's better than you that he knows it. But if anything, he's been one of the worst performers in my team so far. And that and the West End Country Club does not tolerate underperforming. So <laughs> off he went. And I brought in someone with a bit more of a laid-back attitude. And... I've now got Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander in my team. So that's two members of a sort of four-person stable over two shows. I think this this has been a massive steal for me personally. Can't go Chris Statlander. But anyway, Jack, I, I need to come to you because I need to vent to you. So put on your therapist like, hat here. You know what I mean? Borrow it off a of Hawkman if he still has it. But like, really, I, I, I couldn't believe this at the time. Not only did Sarah Grieve drop Frankie Minet, and I can tell you I offered her a lot of points for Frankie Minet that she didn't accept out of pure spite. The oh, And she picks up the, the woman who I just dropped and Becky Lynch. Like, what did you think about this one? We used bamboozled as I was. Yeah, this, this felt like she'd just taken her, her glove off and just slapped you across the face with it. It, it, it seemed like a a move of like disrespect obviously like there's it's very largely rumored that becky lynch has signed a new tv deal she's coming back eminently probably when the fans come back she'll she'll be one of the first people to be there on smackdown and she will be in some high profile feud for SummerSlam. you can you can imagine but uh yeah especially the with with your intention known of the you're wanting uh, frankie manet and that it didn't happen and you had to take a risk of getting Becky Lynch away because you need points sooner rather than later I can understand why you'd be a bit miffed I was miffed I think it worked better for me in the end to be honest with you um, thinking objectively but I was still pissed because I love Frankie Mini. you know I love Frankie Mini. everyone knows I love Frankie <laughs> Mini. but Jack you didn't want to take that risk either because there is the, the possibility that Damien Priest could be coming back. There there was conflicting reports on this, but you decided, no, Damien Priest, I'm not going to take that chance. I am not going to hold on to him. Um, you wanted to solidify a win for this season, so you picked up the new leader of the Diamond Mine and Mr. Roderick Strong of NXT. Talk us through your thought thinking <clears throat> there, there. So, originally coming into this, I wasn't wanting to transfer anyone out I was happy with my team. I was maybe I was open to discussing some trades. Uh, as far as transferring out, I, I, I was. <laughs> <laughs> as, 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 I was as, thinking the same thing. <laughs> as far as transferring people uh, went out, it wasn't on my uh, wasn't on my radar, and that was that was why potentially Orange Cassidy went as far as he did. If I'd known what I'd known afterwards. What came out the day after Orange Casting being transferred was that Damien Priest has been pulled from TV for unknown reasons and then there was mixed reports of having back problems and not be coming back imminently. He's just on time off. So I was like, fuck, I need to get him gone. So I was trying to trade him off. I was trying to do a bit of this, a bit of that. Hopefully folk hadn't seen that he was injured or whatever, but I think no one was wanting him. And then, uh, thank God, on whatever night it was, Wednesday night, Roderick's Tuesday night, Roderick Strong appeared and uh, no one else decided to bank on him and I was like, I need to do something, I need to do something now and that's the only person I could see viable 
to take at that point and hopefully get as many points as new light in the Cruiserweight division series that we yeah. do this new faction. It's a faction that NXT needs because the Undisputed Era is gone. I think it will be a good success story here. Well, we'll keep a close eye on this one, uh, and I know Mister Hockney is with his allegiance to the Undisputed Era. Uh, will be will be upset with you for once again bringing up the fact they are they are gone. But we, we need to get on to the exciting time of the week because there was a, a someone was picked up and dropped in the Wednesday. I dropped FTR for Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, but it plays directly into the first day of transfers and the first day because I knew that Sarah Grieve wanted Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. And I knew that she had a tag team that I wanted because as David pointed out, I was going for appearances. I was going for consistency. I was going for some guarantees. And I think Omega and Callis, 19 points, not great, but better than what I had for the most of my team all season. And I wanted a tag team with guarantees. So I made the offer and the first trade of the window I gave Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page to Sarah in exchange for Kenny Omega and Don Callis. I need to come to you, Dave. What did you think about this one? That's a very interesting one because I'm, Sarah has gone on record about saying, you know, she wanted a much more solid tag team with Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. And they've been making waves on AEW Dynamite lately and stuff, you know, given the whole feud with Sting and Darby Allen. And I'm interested to see where they go from there. Now, Scorpio's got a bit of an edge about him now. Uh, Ethan Page, again, you know, he's been a consistent performer throughout, but they've been operating more as a, a tag team lately, and I think this is definitely a good get for Sarah. When the Omega Callus trade-off, I wasn't too keen on the tag team at first because I didn't think it's going to score as many points as compared to other teams, but you said yourself, you know, you're sticking with appearances and consistency, and you've definitely got that with Omega and Callus, plus you eliminate... The, the possibility of losing points if Kenny Omega, if as draft as a singles competitor, you would eliminate, you know, losing points if he dropped the title. Well, a caveat in that deal was Sarah made me put in writing that I would not drop them. Um, she, made, she made me say, say that. Um, you know, so yeah, that was something that she was thinking of as well. But to be honest with you, Dave, I just had the feeling that Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page are going to fall off a cliff now. I, I think that I don't think that their best days are ahead of them. I think they're behind them for this season. So that's why I made the trade with Sarah and I was happy she picked it up. But it, someone it else who had their eye on a trade with Sarah was Gary. Gary, pleasure to see you here. You wanted rid of Sasha Banks. Sarah is clearly taking risks on people who haven't shown up yet because she was keen to take it off you. And you managed to get Britt Baker and you managed to get Sarah to give you five points, even though you were getting the AEW Women's Champion. Can you please take us behind the scenes on that decision? Yeah, I'd be interested to explore the timing of your deal with Sarah and the timing of my deal, because uh, I, Sarah and I formed this alliance fairly early on in the day. Uh, ahead of transfer deadline day as well and my approach was a similar approach uh, I made for some other people but some of them were too selfish and narrow-minded to see the big <laughs> yeah and actually Jack Graham is in such a commanding lead just now that for any of us to close the gap we need wow. to be uh you think a bit more strategically about it. So I was willing to do a deal with Sarah 
There are other aspects of this deal that we haven't put into the public domain yet, um, which is what led to Sarah being willing to to back me and to forego some points. Now, at that point, Sarah was uh, determined not to finish behind Ross McLeod. So that's why we had a, a smaller trade of points than perhaps I would have liked there. Mm-hmm. But Sarah, Sarah is just a a gem, a diamond uh, to deal with. And Behave! One of, uh, clearly my favourite podder, and uh, the one that's able to see that there was, a, you know, a partnership was needed to mount a serious challenge. And there are many people, your good self go, I mean, you're deluding yourself to think that you're going to finish anywhere above mid-table. Now, oh, so, but God, a partnership between wow. the two of us would have easily defeated Jack. Easily. Uh, yeah. Ah, yeah. Do you know what? I think I know what you've offered her because I think you offered it to me, but I'm not going to say, I'm not going to lure myself to saying it, you know what I mean, out of spite from for every bit of rhetoric that you've just spouted on this show, all right? But when if the time comes where that's relevant, I will not be pleased. Let, let's just say that. But anyway, Jack, I need to move on to you because I made another trade. The first person to make, in fact, no, I could say I made two. The second person to make two trades in the history of the draft. <laughs> I truly am a trendsetter. Um, <laughs> I, I gave Stephen Wilson, Sami Zayn, in exchange for William Regal, and I also managed to get five points off him. What are your thoughts on that one? I, uh, I don't know if this is a very good move or not, if I am being honest. I feel mm. that with Joe coming in, I feel that maybe this gives more scope for William Regal to have some time off and to chill mm. and still have that authoritative figure in play. And I feel that maybe... And, and your vines for appearance points, maybe your judgment was clouded on to draft a favourite to win money in the bank away. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I'm a bit I'm a bit skeptical on this one, Cam. I, I, I will say. Well, I see the risk, and that is why I asked for five points to try and because I'd made three. I was the only person to make three changes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So I knew I had to maybe gain some points back in the trading day. But also at the same time, Jack, I just can't see Sami Zayn winning money in the bank. Because we're he would be great with it, but where does he go with it? Like I, I put all my eggs in Biggie's basket with that. I, I've become convinced that Big E will be the guy to win money in the bank. I already have him on my team. And I think that the Regal Joe thing is going to be a partnership between the two of them. And I think William Regal will feature where Samoa Joe features. So if we're saying, I, I, I could be wrong on that. You could be totally right. Um, but that that is my thinking behind it. Um, and I still believe it. And if it doesn't work out, then Zane wasn't scoring too high for me anyway. If, we're, if I'm being honest, you know what I mean? So we'll see if he wins money in the bank, that is when I'll regret it. But Dave, we have what Stephen Wilson called the most pointless transfer of the entire window. And that was <laughs> uh, Scott McLeod and Ryan Douglas trading Bailey for Asuka. <laughs> seems a bit n- null and void, like, to be honest. I know Ryan Douglas thinks he's got the better end of this with Bailey maybe featuring a bit more, but do you think it's really going to make a difference for either man? Honestly, I don't think it is. You know, Bailey's on the losing end of Bianca Belair at Hell in a Cell, so she's going to have to bounce back in a big way, you know, to get, you know, a bit more exposure on SmackDown. And 
Asuka, you know, she's lost a ton of momentum since uh, losing the women's title at WrestleMania. She is going to be in Money in the Bank, but she was last year's winner, and I don't think it seems likely she's going to win it this year either. So, yeah, it's um, both women not in great positions at the minute and not a lot of momentum going into the second half. But you never know. You know, Asuka and Bailey have both been very high scorers in the past. Maybe they might get a rebound, you know, on the build towards SummerSlam. But I wouldn't, well... Since we're on the subject of money in the bank, I wouldn't put money on it. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> Bailey scored ten points up to the window. Asuka scored fifteen. Apples and oranges. Even if Bailey scores a wee bit more, at going forwards, like it literally I, I, is. I don't it literally, it literally is trading apples for oranges here. Yeah, it's not. A, it's not a winning pick of the window. I don't think, in my in my personal opinion. But maybe people went in in the action. I don't know. But this comes to the the most controversial moment. All Thursday, it comes as the last moment of the day, and Jack Sarah Grieve panics clearly about the Eva Maria alumni fiasco on WWE.com. Decides to make Ryan an offer for Io Shirai, and I- I've seen the messages for this one. She wanted to offer him like five points, I think. Then Ryan was like, nah, then she was like 10. Then she, he was like, nah, then she was like 20. And then Ryan had the audacity to ask for 27 points. Sarah accepts. What what, what, are, what are your thoughts on this one? I, I I was not happy when I went through to begin with. This just uh, screamed that. To me, it screamed as if there was a loss of all hope in the draft and like kind of I stopped caring. So just kind of oh, just do, we'll we'll do this and do that and see you can mount the best challenge. I'm not not just saying that because I'm fast. I think like it's just it's just how I see it. But then Ryan spoke to me about it and he spoke about the the weight of will Io Shirai get 27 points between now and SummerSlam and it was a risk that he was willing to take of having that guarantee of the 27 points. Instead of banker and Eel Shirai making that twenty seven points, it's something that when he explained it like that, I get. But it's, the the nature of it, I'm not I'm not sure to begin with. But from his side, I I I do understand why, and I do understand that maybe Sarah's hoping that because Eel Marie might go to the alumni section, even though she's tweeted like today that she's still doing WWE stuff. I don't know. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's a rash decision. I don't like the nature of where it came from, but I, I respect the tacticality behind it from Ryan. I think that Ryan got a good deal, and I think Sarah just... I, I don't know what happened there. I think she could have dropped Eva if more news came out on the uh, the Saturday or the Sunday, um, or even today. <sighs> you know, it is what it is, but I, I thought that it was a strange decision on her part. I think it could pay off, especially if Eva... It doesn't show up, but we will just need to see. Anyway, the last last movement up into this point, we are recording on Friday night this week, to be released still to you on Saturday, as is the name of the show. Um, but someone must have told Ross, who is hiding in a cave somewhere this draft, um, that Kevin Owens was taking some time away. Dave, he picks up Adam Cole, baby, um, as, his, right as his mouth. pick here. Yeah, what what you're obviously happy to see Cole back in the draft, I think, more than any other analysis behind it. Yeah, you know what? The, he actually cropped up, uh, you know, somewhere as the drafting was going on. I'm thinking, wait a minute, Adam Cole's back on TV. I wonder if somebody's going to take him. Um, 
and he's obviously being advertised much more heavily on NXT. You know, he's got a big ma- big rematch with Kyle O'Reilly coming up at the Great American Bash. He's been in the NXT title picture. I think Ross, uh, you know, has actually picked up a very, very strong uh, selection here. But damn it, Ryan, you, you just had to go and tweet in the group chat that Kevin Owens had injured. But then obviously social media sort of picked it up for him. But hey, ho, it's, it is what it is. You know, we were just Couldn't all, we all had our fingers crossed that Ross wouldn't no- realize that Kevin Owens was taking time off. <laughs> Oh, 100%. But anyway, uh, we'll look at the table just now. In 10th place still is Scott McLeod after losing 10 points in the transfer window. In 9th place now is Sarah Grieve with Christian Cage's uh, Instant Classics after losing a massive 42 points in the transfer window. Uh, In 8th place is myself, um, the GOAT David Campbell, um, DMD, um, very nice person um, in 8th place I lost 10 points in the window uh, David Hockney lost 10 points in the window he's also 7th um, losing 5 points in the window because he probably just couldn't be arsed to do anything else was Ross McLeod he's in 6th and uh, 5th place Ryan DeGleish lost 5 points uh, in the window he is 5th and 4th place Gary you lost no points in the window due to that trade with Sarah you are in 4th place and 3rd place now is Ryan Gallagher who gained you gained 17 points this transfer window. The only person to gain any points in the window. Uh, in second place is Stephen, who lost 10 points. And Jack, you're still in first, losing five. But this is the real benchmark of the season, the real halfway point. We'll need to see what happens going forward. But we do have Gary here. Now, Gary, the last time I spoke to you on this show, years ago, we were talking that season about how you might be the best drafter never to win a season. And I brought it up last week, Gary, as well. Out of all the people who have played nearly every season of this thing, you are the highest scoring player on average with that longevity. And it truly is outstanding that you haven't managed to win it up until this point. But overall, are you proud of the way that your team has performed up until this point in the season? And are you hopeful following the transfer window that you can maybe make a push for this to be your time? Yeah, I mean, I was so close last season, just fell at the final hurdle uh, there. This season, I think if you look at the team and if you bear in mind, I've, I've got two players that have contributed next to nothing. And if we had seen a 20, you know, if Sasha turned up, if Brian had stuck around and you were... And they delivered at the level that you would expect them to deliver at, uh, you know, 20, even 20 points each from them. The gap at the top between Jack and myself would would be much, much smaller. Now, um, I know there's a lot of ifs and buts, but that's the, the big swing there. If it hadn't been for that factor, um because, but when you take that into consideration, yes, I am. I think the the players I've got have done well by me this season. Uh, I thought Seth Rollins might have done better than he's currently doing at the mm. at the moment. Um, Tony Schiavone has been a bit of an MVP. I mean, you keep going on and on and on and on and on about Scrap Daddy, but Tony Schiavone <laughs> is one of the top players in this. Oh, he is. He is, yeah. He is. I need to ask the question because I put the captaincy on Scrap Daddy and it's worked out well. Have you not thought about putting the captaincy on Big Tony? 
Well, my captain is currently Ripley, but unfortunately Ripley's booking has not been, you know, I thought coming out of Mania that they would have strapped a bit of a rocket to uh, to Rhea Ripley, but instead we've had Rhea suffer losses to Nikki Cross, for example, which have not, um, have not done me any favours at all, and... Um, have been a wee bit surprising. So Rhea scoring at 59 points and you've got those couple of losses in there. If she had been booked a bit stronger, then I think my decision would have been justified. But of course, if Tony Schiavone had been my captain, we'd be looking at, what, 84 points he'd be on just now? Yeah, yeah. Would have which, 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 made him one of the which, top... Which have, would have made him actually yeah, the, the, the top scorer on the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> which is outstanding when you really break it down. He's already uh, the ninth highest scorer for the season at, at present. He's tied with Rudy. Um, so it could be something to think about. Jack, do you have any questions for Gary concerning his team? Do I have any questions for Gary? I, I guess I'll talk to I'll talk to you about your tag team. We've we've had. Extensive conversations about your tag team over the past week. I'll let you know that your your tag team was a, a means a means to an end to get another tag team. I nearly worked out a master stroke to get Heyman and Reigns on my team, but uh, unfortunately I got mixed up with scores, uh, cross wire between other people, and uh, the the deal fell through in Ryan's side. I couldn't make it happen, unfortunately. But I I I guess I would like to talk to you about Rhea Ripley. Obviously, your captain on fifty nine points. You found out you were drafted in the second position. You must have been pretty happy. But did you want Bianca or did you want Rhea? Uh, I would have taken Bianca first there. And I adopted the tactic that because the women's division is relative, I don't want to say weak, poorly booked at the moment, there are very few... I think, valuable female picks on the table just now. And that's why Stephen, the first pick, he takes Bianca. That's why I took Rhea. And I think Raquel, was she the third pick overall? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was. Yeah, she was. Shut up, third. Jack. Yeah, yeah so it wasn't, it wasn't the we best. Went for that. The idea is there's lots of male wrestlers that could deliver decent scores. So grab the few female wrestlers that could contribute first, uh, strongly there. So that's why I went for that. I have to say, Jack, Graham, you were not the only person that was in a dialogue about a trade for Heyman and Reigns. I think everyone in this draft was in a dialogue about a trade for Heyman and Reigns. I offered offered sex for a trade for (laughs) Heyman (laughs) and Reigns. Some of us were approached about a trade... But also, some of us were very aware that there were some uh, people working in cahoots with one another, trying to stimulate other activity. So I was a little bit untrusting of mm. my good friend the goat, which is a sentence I've never. <laughs> I was in cahoots The only things I tried to do this window were get people for me and to stop. All and every one of Jack Graham's trains. That's the only <laughs> things that I've done this window. Uh, you did the right thing, Gary, because as you've seen on SDL a couple of weeks ago, you never trust a goal, especially when it comes to <laughs> not only the draft, but the ESSR title as well. 
Oh, behave yourselves. I am so trustworthy up until the point when I betray you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think I spoke to everyone anyway. about trades except for Ross and Scott, Ross, Scott and Stephen. I try to trade for everyone else, but it's, it's hard trading from the top, unfortunately. No, no one wants to help you. It's like when you play Buzz... <laughs> And it comes to the point stealing rounds, you'd be an idiot to take them off at anyone else except the player winning. It's just a strategy just time itself. Dave, do you have any questions for Gary regarding his team? Uh, yeah, Gary, I want to talk to you about Sethy Drip Drip, Seth Rollins. So obviously you've picked him as your second round singles pick, and I've picked Cesaro as my second round pick. Both of them are still embroiled in their feud, which has been going on for uh, for months now. Is there, were you under the impression that Seth Rollins would possibly move into the universal title picture ahead of somebody like Cesaro? Or were you always thinking long-term booking when it came to selecting Seth Rollins? Yeah, I thought Cesaro would have went into the universal title picture sooner than it looks like he's going to. I didn't, did not envisage this feud with Seth going on as long as it did. So Seth has not performed to the level that I thought he would have done because I thought, you know, generally speaking, Seth has been a fairly consistent performer. He wrestles often on TV, unlike Roman Reigns now, who tends to just wrestle on the big shows, isn't he? So I thought Seth would have been a good... You know, that's why I went from the second round. I thought he would have delivered more than he is at the moment, 36 points at the moment. I was thinking more... At this stage, you would be seeing 40, 50 points from a Seth Rollins. So oh, Seth Rollins is only on 19 at the minute. Oh, sorry. Uh, over the rank is 36. Sorry. He's oh, right. yeah. Yeah, I thought he would be up uh, in that. I still thought he'd be up in that 40 point mark at the moment, but he's been mm. less in ring action and also on the losing end of more interactions with Cesaro than I thought he would have been. At this yeah. point, and mm-hmm. Seth, I think he, he's going to have to move on from Cesaro soon and be up. He, he will always be up to the world's the top of the card, but I think he will need to go. I'm hoping he's going to go on a bit of a winning speed to start to rebuild build his credibility for when he does challenge next for the Universal title. Yeah, rebuild his credibility just like he had to do once upon a time when the pictures of his cock <laughs> were released to the public. Um, but it is clear to see, <laughs> sorry, it is clear to see, Gary, that your team is one that looks actually considerably stronger coming out the window than it did going in. And like you said yourself, it looked strong in most areas except those two empty slots. Britt Baker and Samoa Joe filling them in. Who knows what can happen as we go on with this season. But for now, I want to say thank you to everyone. Jack, we will see you next Saturday. This will be interesting to see where we go from here. Yep, it's. I think it's going to be a very, very exciting time, Gary. I welcome the chase, but you, I just, I just feel you'll come up short. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say uh, commiserations to now before we get to the end of the season. <laughs> commiserations, congratulations! It's still the same old fantasy team in the same old shape for Jack Graham. <laughs> uh, but Dave, enjoy the rest of your Saturday night. Thank you very much. And once again, next week, it will be the return of the Listener's League. And we all will cry ourselves to sleep at that thought. And Gary, (laughs) Gary, thank you very much. Let's Let's not wait so long next time to get you back on here. Thanks, guys. It's been nice being here. Unfortunately, I've been uh, involved in a campaign to save a library, which is a sentence I never, ever, ever thought I would say. 
So I'm going to be writing a movie about that, by the way, one day. I, I, I guarantee you. <laughs> my Saturday mornings have been taken up with protesting for that. Um, but yes, it might be a bit of a dull movie, David. Um, no, I'm not with the, the workings. Nope. Yeah. yeah, I'm not going to be realistic about it. I'm going to add in some stuff of my own. Okay, uh, well, so it'll be count me in for it then. Nice, nice. Who would play me in the movie? Oh, well, it's great. Jason Statham, of course. Jason Statham. There's a sh- no, he doesn't have the acting ca- talent. I, to was pull off. <laughs> I was thinking about that guy from Aquaman. Jason <laughs> Momoa. <laughs> or well, Willem Dafoe's in Aquaman. We could get no, Willem no, Dafoe. Him. No, the main character. <laughs> I can't Jason Momoa. Yeah, Jason yeah. Momoa. Right, Jason Momoa. Cal Drogo to play ESSR's uh, Khaleesi and uh, Gary Kernahan. But anyway, guys, we will see you next Saturday. <laughs> see you later on.